was like parody you had, and there was all kind of different memes. Can you do me the favor of speaking into that microphone? Hello, Greg. How are you today? <laughs> France! <laughs> Putty's microphone. Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome back for another exciting visit to the village. My name is Greg, and joining me is... John. Ryan. Glenn. And Bruce. Welcome, Bruce, friend of the show and friend to us all, back for another adventure with us. Uh, what have you been up to, sir? Just working every day and going around the courthouse and doing what I do and have a small clientele of people, as John can attest. Yeah. <laughs> and um, running my business seven days a week, yeah. except when I go out of town occasionally. So that's about it. And going to Star Trek conventions when I can, so... Oh, you were just telling us about a movie that you got to see, and you've intrigued me because uh, I had not heard of this. Ryan apparently did not either. No. But the, the other guys have seen the trailer. Um, tell us a little bit about Marlowe. Okay, Marlowe with Liam Neeson and Jessica Lange is a film noir, 1939, Los, uh, Los Angeles is when it was, when it's set. Uh, Marlowe was obviously from the, from the books. And he's a private detective. In the 50s and 40s on radio, before we had TV, there were a lot of detectives, noir detectives, uh, Pat Novak and Richard Diamond's one of my favorite, uh, uh, Neil Wolf. Does anybody know who played Neil Wolf on the radio? Nope. I'm looking no? at you, Glenn. No, uh, no. <laughs> who was it? Okay. Who's your guy on the Maltese Falcon? Bogart? Bogart? Cindy Greenstreet was Neil oh. Wolf. Huh. Okay. Oh, wow. And he played this big, heavyset guy who had another guy would go out and get the evidence, and he would sit there and solve the crime just because he was a genius. A lot of good stuff, a lot of good lines, and I liked Marlowe because it was a good portrayal of, uh, of that noir type of detective, the kind of guy that can beat people, and he gets his butt kicked a lot <laughs> and, and takes it, you know, uh, makes decisions on the fly, and, and generally speaking, those guys were like either close to the police department or they had been police officers and they had to leave for some reason or another and uh, went into the private detective uh, business, which is what uh, happened to Marlowe. It's gotten trashed in reviews, but I guarantee you it's only a 100 times better than the Ant-Man and some of the other stuff that's playing right now, okay? <laughs> So I would advise you to go see it. Sounds like Liam Neeson's perfectly cast in this role. It really does. He is, because yeah. he's older, and he looks like kind of a run-down, beat-up guy, but he's still, you know, he's got a, a certain set of morals that he uses, and it's morals on the curve, okay? Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, there's no sex or nudity in it. There doesn't have to be. It's all implied, okay? Yeah. And the women, look, I get, I, I love the movies, but, when a you know five foot two inch woman woman can karate chop everybody, no, it, there were strong women in the movies back then, just as they were in it. Very strong women. They manipulated everybody. And they knew what they were doing, and two or three steps ahead of everybody. And that's that's what this is about, really. Yeah, classic yeah. femme fatale. Exactly, mm -hmm. classic. Very very good. I liked it, and I would recommend people to go see it. Like I was just telling y'all, I went twenty bucks for my son and I to get in. Eighteen, really. Spent another twenty bucks on popcorn, forty dollars. Yeah, you know, spent a good two hours. Had a great time. So, how would you grade it? We'd give it our stuff one to ten. I would grade it a seven point two. Okay. Cool. Okay. Nice. And apparently, this was Liam Neeson's one hundredth film. 
Really? Yeah, really? Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. We need to do a win loss record on him. No, we ain't got the time. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be a long one. Uh, cool. Well, I know something else you've probably been up to recently because you know, we've been up to it too. But Picard season three, the final season, has debuted. I, I like it. It certainly has. Yeah, it's very good. I've, I've watched the first two episodes twice. <laughs> Me too. And, yeah. Uh, I think it's very good. And I tell you who I really like, and I like the the very rude. Captain, we were just we talking like, about literally this. were just talking about Look, this before you, you got, got here. Got to have a villain, and a villain can't be a monster. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the guys that shoot Crusher and the okay, they're monsters, right? But you don't identify with them in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. But the captain, you do. Okay. Because yeah, he's, he's not, not wrong. wrong. No, that's what I was about to say. Y'all are yeah. right on. Look, probably at Starfleet Academy, they're reading some of the stuff they do, and he said. And I'm sure some professor at Starfleet Academy said, you know, if they had just gone by the book, it would have worked out better. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, you know? And so some of this crap that they do probably shouldn't have been done. Yeah. So, and he, he's got sort of got that attitude, you know? I'm not awed by you guys, you know? And I mean, his whole, I mean, he's pretty much saying the odds of the many outweigh the odds of the few. Because he's like, yeah. I'm not going to risk 500 <laughs> lives for two guys over there, kind of thing. No. So, I mean, he's not, he's not wrong. And if you think about it, Kurt was arrogant. He just wasn't rude, but he was arrogant. He had a big ego, yeah. just like this guy, but he wasn't rude. So they kind of hyped this guy up. But I like the guy. You got to have somebody on the other side fighting against yeah. your people from the inside. So I liked him a lot. And I hope they continue with him. And I hope they continue with him being the same type of guy. You know. Yeah. In fact, I hope they let him win out every once in a while and be be right. Yeah. Well, I, I think he fills a, a valuable hole in the series. Uh, you know, since you know Captain Rios uh, is not on the, sh- the show this season, right. um, that gap is being filled by by this character to a degree. Um, but I also find that you just described it, and it's interesting to me the contrast between Kurt and Picard when Picard debuted, and how he's the cerebral opposite of Kurt to a larger degree. And Riker filled that role. Right. Um, it's kind of interesting to see like Picard's now almost become that I'm a cowboy uh, in his old age, and then you have this other guy going, well, "Wait a second, no." We need to do this a little bit more by the numbers. Right. And I guess we can't really talk about season three without talking about the new showrunner, Terry Metalis. Yeah. So Terry Metalis, if you never heard this guy before, he started his career, he was a production assistant on Voyager and then on Enterprise, and he went on to do a couple of other shows with, uh, was it Brandon Braga? Mm-hmm. Until he became the showrunner of uh, 12 Monkeys on Sci-Fi Channel, and then he was just like one of their... Everyday producers on seasons. There's a, there's a Twelve Monkeys show. There's a Twelve Monkeys yeah. series. Yeah, it's, it's a series. It's still on. No, I think was it two seasons? I believe so. I didn't even or was, knew. It, or was it three or four? I I heard of. It. I never. I missed it. I, I never even knew it existed. It. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He he was the showrunner for Twelve Monkeys on Sci-Fi Channel. Okay. I want to say it might have been three or four seasons. Wow. I'll look I'll have up, to look that up. But um, anyway, so um, the showrunners for seasons one and two, they went on to do Strange New Worlds, and he got promoted to basically showrunner for season three. And he had some quite a few different ideas than the seasons one and two, where he wanted to do the movie we never got, the next gen goodbye movie, because he said, you know, the show's called Star Trek Picard, but the thing that was special about next gen, it wasn't a main character, it was an ensemble. Right. So uh, he came up with the idea of bringing everybody back, kind of sidelining the the new characters from Picard and giving the fans the new the movie that we never saw just over the course of. Was it nine or ten episodes? Yeah. So, and I think he's 
So far, he's nailing it. We've only been two episodes in, but... Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say they've been kind of, over the past couple seasons, and Ryan, you've watched the entirety of the first season, mm-hmm. and you haven't started the second. <laughs> Bruce, come on, talk to me about this. I hated the end of season one. Hated I, it. I, I just haven't gotten into... I mean, I watched it, but it, it just didn't stick with me, okay? Did you watch season two? Uh, some of it. I haven't oh, so you just off. sort of jumped into season... That's what Absolutely, Glenn, Glenn I said was, I should do that. Because I was reading about it, and the guy you're talking about, the showrunner, is he the guy that started same time as Jerry Ryan? Yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah, yeah started the he, same day as yeah, Jerry yeah, Ryan. Yeah, he was Star Trek. He was a production assistant on Voyager, right. and he was hired the same day as Jerry Ryan. And they got to wow. know each other through, they were both green as can be when they started out. Yeah, I was enjoying the first season, and then by the end, and what they did with Picard's character, I was just not a fan of. And I haven't been able to get into season two yet. But Glenn said, "Just start season three." So if you did it, I would your... jump to season three, okay. and you'll well, like it. Maybe it's I will. Lot of, lots of Easter eggs, and but, but you, that's what I liked about the captain. You just can't consist constantly be a love letter. Okay, you've got yeah. to have some tension, of course, and some people you don't like. And, and like I said, those people are gonna—they need to win out. They need to be right every once in a while. Yeah. So are they on like a mission or? So, uh, let's break down, <laughs> without too many spoilers, kind of what this plot is. The, the first is. two episodes. Yeah. Um, strangely enough, the, the season does not debut with any other character other than the one we haven't seen probably the most in any of this, which is, is Dr. Crusher. Um, You're right, which that's, if you look at the next-gen movies, she's pretty much a she's cameo. A, yeah, she's sidelined in most of right. it. So, they kind of give her a due, and we see a very different Beverly Crusher than what we've gotten previously. It's like, oh, who is this? Like, like, how did she get to this? I was very curious. And there's a shadowy character that they show in the background. Uh, They're basically on this ship called the Elios, and it gets attacked. And they're kind of doctors without borders in space. Right. You kind of find that out uh, throughout the course of those two episodes. But basically, uh, she gets wounded, and she's in a cryogenic freeze, and before she goes, she sends... Uh, a message out with this protocol uh, that basically they devised when Picard was Locutus, so he knows nothing about it, and has to get Riker involved to decode it. Um, and, and it's something only they knew, because she's telling them not to trust Starfleet. Right. So there's something going on. They don't quite know what it is, but he on this... Like, Picard's about to leave Earth with, with uh, his, his new girlfriend and go you know, live his life on this other planet, and he's like, well, i got to take a detour, and kind of, you know, Beverly's asking for help. We also find out that none of them have talked to Beverly in 20 years. She so cut everybody she off. She cut everybody off, and they don't, it seems like Picard knows kind of why, but they we don't find out the reason why. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe. We don't know how they're going to spin that. Yeah. Uh, we're, 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 we'll be vague kinda, because we don't want to give yeah, out spoilers. Yeah, no, we don't want to give it out, but, I mean, I think we find out. Yeah. And then there's some other characters uh, in it, too. Like, they've, they've done a good job of kind of taking some of the characters that were, were debuted in the first season. Uh, some of those have been kind of written to different directions, and they've gotten their own kind of path. And then there's some that are now going to be on this, this show for the rest of the, the season, uh, and we kind of pick up with them very briefly. And there are also ways of bringing in other characters to this. And basically, Riker's like, we've got to devise this plan. We'll pretend that we're inspecting the, the, the Titan. Because um, yeah, I, mean, I used they'll to be listen captain. to us. Yeah, I could I could talk our way into the Titan and get them to bring us where we want. Yeah. So they do that because uh, there's a big thing called Frontier Day that's going to be happening. It's like we need to expect the ship before the debut, and they go to do that, and it doesn't quite work out. It was over like a lead balloon. Huh? Yeah, the way that they want, and that's the majority of the first season is them trying to get to well, first episode. First, yeah, first episode of them trying to get to the fir- to the to this part where Doctor Crusher's left these coordinates. 
Um, and then the second episode... Well, and there's a subplot with a character from seasons one and two named Raffi. Yes. And she's basically Starfleet... Like, she's like Jack Bauer. She's like deep yeah. undercover. Starfleet has a... a Starfleet intelligence. A, an intelligence de- uh, division known as Section 31 that's like deep cover. They allude to them being yeah. a part of that. But she's got this handle and she's she's investigating some things and it makes her have to go back to like her old life and and it's a uh, um I mean they, they drop a lot of Easter eggs like it's a theft from something from the Daystrom Institute which was from the Next Generation well, and they take on substance abuse right yeah which is a big deal Star Trek's always been relevant mm-hmm. in, in in social problems so that it's almost its own Easter egg that they have to have a social yeah. problem which sure. we obviously have today okay so. But um, anyway, so that's pretty much that's the gist of the the premiere episode, which was called "The Next Generation" is yeah. the name of the episode. Um, and it's kind of I've enjoyed this so far that we're slowly getting the characters weaved in. It's a oh, it, yeah, there's a slow burn. who's the helmsman of the Titan A? Oh, it's uh, Sydney LaForge. That's right. Yeah, that is Jordy's daughter. And is that the one played by his actual daughter? No, that's uh, the the other one. The other Alana. one that's working that's going to be on the screen with him, right? Yeah, and then I. Uh, the the thing this the second episode is where we get the debut of the who's what's going to be the main villain of the the season Wesley Crusher. <laughs> no, it's Amanda Plummer, who's the daughter of Christopher Plummer, and when they show her, she's spinning around in a chair, looking a lot like General Chang. Does she have a pot? She huh? has a little cigar. Does she have a pot? <laughs> no, she does not. She's got a big scar on her face, and she's smoking a cigar. Oh, nice. Um, her character is another one where I was kind of excited to hear your thoughts on it, but. It's this character that seems to have it all together, um, but it's menacing in that subtle, manipulative way. Like she's like, "Yeah, I got all the cards. Let me show them to you. You're gonna give me what I want, and I know you too well for you to try to." It's gonna be interesting to see her, where she came from, and who yeah. she is, because she knows all these, like everybody. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is she a part of some big organization, or is she just what she appears to be? A- Freelance bounty hunter that does her research. I could, it does yeah. me. I'm smart and I'm bad and right. I don't care. I have zero morals, you know. And she looks, she looks at. She's an evil looking person. Okay, definitely a menacing presence. And she's got that ship that's very reminiscent of. Um, it looks like uh, Eric Bana's ship. Yeah, I was about from, to say from uh, Star Trek 09. And she described like the the Shrike is what it's named, and it's named after a bird that slowly pecks away. At, at and one of the cooler like space fights with something we've never seen, she uses a tractor beam to throw one ship at a different one. Oh, nice! <laughs> like I'm never seen like that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. This this season has been a very good blend of uh of and I kind of think like in order to introduce Star Trek to a new generation that's going to kind of I mean it, these some of this is going to be their first interaction with Star Trek. You need some of those elements that that have the social you know relevance, but also have that action element that says this is why you're gonna gonna tune in, and you'll probably learn a few things while you do it. Sure, yeah, and uh, yeah, like I said, so far it's it's hitting on all cylinders, and you can kind of tell they're doing kind of the soft reboot because the theme song's not there anymore. They they close every episode with the main theme from First Contact. The I next mean, gen font is yeah, what they use. and they're showing the titles yeah. of the episodes. I mean, it's it's like a different series. They kind of didn't change the music, but but. They probably spent a lot of money on those special effects with those ships. Oh, yeah. That's where a lot of the money went right there to show what you saw, I would think. Okay. But, I mean, some of these, like, Jonathan Frakes as Riker, he hasn't been this good in, in a while. Like, yeah. I mean, we, 
We do get to see him in a bunk wearing socks, which is <laughs> interesting. Listen, I met him, and he's a cool guy. He really is. I just, my daughter and I went up to, to get a, a picture with him, and and uh, he said something about see you next. It was on Sunday afternoon, and I said, see you next year. I said, well, I, you know, my, my daughter's no kid. I mean, she's 30. And I said, well, I hope she's going to make me a grandbaby by next year. And he goes, oh, why would you say stuff like that? Like, you're trying to embarrass me. Like but he was laughing the whole time. He's really... Good. And the first time I ever saw him speak at a convention, he got off the stage and walked 50 rows down with the microphone, talking to yeah. people, talking to everybody, instead of just sitting there on the standing there on the stage. He's a very cool guy. And really. you can tell he really loves his fans. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's very nice. Did anybody ever ask him why he mounts every chair he goes to sit on and <laughs> start? He's a tall man. He mentioned that. It was some, some sort of back injury he had when he was younger. <laughs> and the way that they designed the furniture in the next generation, he's a tall guy. And those yeah. chairs, none of them had backs. So he's <laughs> He says, when you're doing take after take after take, after that pilot episode, his back was killing him. So that's what he just started doing. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> John's got a funny story about Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to say this. There's this guy that I used to work with at uh, Blockbuster back when I was in college. And he was a, this guy was a very strange guy. And um, he worked one of the conventions that Jonathan Frakes was there. And um, he got to talk, he just got to talk to him afterwards. And he was so nervous you know how people, when they get really nervous, they say things that they probably shouldn't say. It makes no sense. Jonathan Frakes was talking about having to go back to his hotel, and he said he wasn't he wasn't feeling too well, so he had to go back to his hotel. And the guy just blurted out something. I don't remember word for word, was, but basically something about. So I guess you won't be masturbating tonight. <laughs> and he said Jonathan Frakes just like looked at him and just kind of walked away. I, I was like, you said that to Jonathan Frakes, and he's like, I don't know why. It just came out. <laughs> That's a joke better done with a good friend, right? <laughs> like, wow. I guarantee you Jonathan Frakes remembers that. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Yeah. So I, I don't know, like, I three-episode rule, I, I don't know that we necessarily need it at this oh, point. Oh, no. This, uh, well, I've watched each episode twice, so I've watched... I, yeah. I've, I've seen right. four, there you go. four hours. There you go. Four it's, hours it's, of it. It's, it's good. So what's y'all overall opinion about what they're doing with Star Trek? With the shows. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted, since we have Bruce here, to kind of talk about the other two series that we have. Maybe even th three if you've watched Prodigy. But there's Paramount kind of has that, that brand and they've now started to release different series filling in different gaps. We have Strange New Worlds. We have Discovery. Um, and then there's this... Uh, Lower Decks. Oh, Lower Decks. Lower decks. And episode, so four. Um, so of, the, of those, which ones have you watched and kind of... I tried to watch Discovery. I, I didn't really care for it. I'm going to go back. I always give them a second and third chance. Uh, I like Strange New Worlds, and I was going to get into it. We'll get into it maybe later, but I went to the Chicago. The CBS did an official convention last year in Chicago, and I went to that, and they had the cast of Strange New Worlds, the entire main players, and they showed the first two minutes of it. Now, we're talking about last April, okay, several months before it came out, and... Uh, I like Strange New World, and I like it. They're doing like one-offs, which is more like the original yeah. series. You know, and everybody points out, okay, well, they used to do one-offs, and the next episode was totally different. That is directly because Gene Roddenberry used to write for Wagon Train, Have Gun, Will Travel. In fact, I was watching an episode. Have Gun, Will Travel comes on every morning on Channel 59 from 7. No, on Channel 1, 134, I'm sorry. From seven to eight, it's two episodes, and every once in a while, you're written by Gene Roddenberry, 
And those were moral tales. Each one of them was a moral tale to teach you something about the world, okay? Yeah. And so that's what Star Trek became. They said wagon train for the stars. And each one was a moral tale about something every week. So that's what I like about Strange New Worlds. I mean, if you want to watch the serials, they're great. And, and, and you know, it wasn't until what? Deep Space Nine did they started doing real serialized it stuff? Was, it was when Gene Roddenberry died. <laughs> yeah, well, it, right. When he had stepped back from the show, because you start to see it with, like, Best of Both Worlds. Well, they had a, a like, well, the original and, series right. had a two-parter, one two-parter. Yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, they, they, they would have a two-parter every now and again, but it wasn't until he was... Oh, DS9 was... But that, yeah. that really, like, right. long-form, ten-part stories and things right. like that. Right. But, um, yeah, and plus the TV landscape changed because back when the original one, they didn't know which ep order they were going to air these things in. Right. Like, so it was difficult to do long right. forms. Right, yeah, production order and, and release order were right. two different things. So. But, um, and, then, and like talking about the new shows, it's almost like, if you look at them, it's like, all right, we wanted to do something different, almost like what they did with, with, this, with you know, crossing fandoms but with star wars like let's try to update it a little and let's do something different with discovery and with seasons one and two in picard but it seems like by the time they got to strange new worlds they're like all right this time let's just do star trek uh, it's kind of it's a, it's like a balance right. i think yeah. kind of a like a, a nice little chemical equation but you brought up like and that's, that's kind of another question i have the approach with star wars is is let's use the technology to to sort of show the same act we, we have the 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 stuff that they did to show luke uh in the the grogu era but Star Trek is not afraid to recast. Um, That's true. And I, my my question for you, Bruce, would be: of the recastings that we've seen, like you know, do you think it's more important to f almost do an impression, or in the instance we've seen Paul Wesley now as Kirk, we've seen Chris Pine as Kirk, we've seen Ethan Peck and Zachary Quinto as Spock. Um, how do you think that those recastings, like, is it is it more that they just keep the spirit of the character, or they put? A I spin think on Spock it? came out great, better than than Kirk actually. But it's it's just different movies, and I mean, it's, it's all look. Chris Pine is in Star Trek was like alternate universe, really. Okay, it's it's you know, it's not a mirror, but another timeline. So while it was great and I like it, I like my old Star Trek, you yeah. know. Yeah. So I, I don't mind the recast. People get old and die. I mean, what are we gonna do? Yeah. You know. So, but 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 that's kind of the problem. Sometimes the Superman and the Batman, they just keep making the same movie over and over yeah. again. So you don't always need to recast. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, Catherine Janeway, she's her own man, so to speak. Yeah. So bring in new characters. I don't think we have to keep playing the same yeah. over and over. Do you think they're going to make any more movies? Honestly, I, th I think it comes down to how Picard is. Uh, like, Star Trek's always been more long form rather than short form. But I think if there's enough of an interest, they'll probably... Because I know Michael Dorn's been lobbying for a Worf series for many years. And the I'd way watch that, it. The way, that, the way that it's his debut was um, received, I think we've got a good shot of possibly getting it. Yeah. I you think can't it's... believe they haven't done something with yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in this age. Because he's, he's been, in, like if you log the hours, he's logged in the most hours in Star Trek than any other actor. Because he was on yeah. two shows and, and four movies. So. It's going to capture that demographic. Right. Not sure. that they don't have it, some of it already, yeah. but it would be even more. And I like the Wharf character. I've, I've always liked the yeah. Wharf character. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, but um, 
So the what, Anson Mount, he's uh Oh uh, yeah, well I mean we we had uh Damn it, what's what what is Christopher Pike from the movies? Oh, Bruce, Bruce Greenwood. Greenwood, yes. Yeah. The great Bruce Greenwood. The movies, He's yeah. phenomenal, but Anson Mound, like Glenn and I talked about this before, Bruce, but like the there's almost this twinkle in his eye yeah. that I don't think that I've seen since Kirk in the original series. And uh I, I like I can't say enough about his performance in Strange New Worlds. I'm kind of curious because isn't there supposed to be some crossover with Lower Decks and yeah, I, I don't and, know how they're going to do it because it's... and Jonathan Frakes is directing the episode. Oh, that's awesome. Jonathan Frakes is directing the crossover and um, two of the Lower Decks characters are making their live action debut and Strange New Worlds, which is weird because they're different time. Like one's in the next gen timeline and the other one's before Captain Kirk. So it, yeah, it, it it'll be the the way that they do Strange New. I mean, uh, Lower Decks. I could see them making it work. I guess is that that shows a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad we live in a time too where like we can get something like Lower Decks as fans of this franchise because it that's something I don't think we would have had back then and the, the franchise has had enough room to breathe where you get the show that's basically like us kind of having this meta look at Star Trek like the, the things that I've always you know Glenn and I'll sit and talk about different things and Lower Decks points it out so it's kind of kind of funny to see the cetacean operations and no, this is a great time to be a Star Trek fan let's face it Star Trek carries Paramount streaming they're carrying. They're oh, like, oh. they're like what Howard Stern is to Sirius Radio. Okay, yeah. you're not. You know, they've I mean, got. They're the anchor. Okay, yeah, I mean they were at the beginning with Disney Plus. They're what the Mandalorian was. That, yeah. that's why people are, are you, you know, you you subscribe for Star Trek, and if you're there, oh, let's give out Mayor Kingstown yeah. to try or something like that. And that's Top Gun yeah. Maverick or exactly. something, you know, since I'm there anyway. I think it makes those other shows possible because mm -hmm. it gives. If you're going to tune in to your point, Mayor Kingstown. Uh, with T Tulsa King, that was yeah. a good show. Yeah, I've heard it's good. I haven't watched it. You think the Star Trek has pretty much forgotten about the Kelvin timeline as part of their storytelling? Uh, the, I hope so. It's <laughs> <laughs> I, I would prefer, like, yeah, I'd prefer to them, for them to focus on the the prime timeline. It was nice to, to well, visit they mention it. It's in, they mention it in an episode of Discovery. Yeah. So the Kelvin situation. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a, it takes all right. So Discovery, I don't know if you follow. It, they've taken a jump way, way into the future. And they, it, it was a brilliant stroke. It, and there was a there was a agent or whatever that can. It was these. Uh, it was some war, and then it was multiple timelines and temporal stuff. And they there was a throwaway line with one of them said, "Oh yeah, and this guy came from a a, a, a temporal anomaly created by some Romulan mining ship." And, oh, nice. Yeah. I was gonna say this for the end, but I'm gonna bring it out now. This is really the biggest reason I wanted to come here tonight. Right, go for it. Do you think if Abraham Lincoln was alive today, somebody would put a microphone in front of him and say talk? Or a camera in front of him? Hey, Winston I, Churchill? Sure. Well, you, William Shatner is alive, okay? Yeah. So let me tell you. He had $200 a year for 1 million people that are getting Paramount Plus, and you, plus, and you, get, the, you get the Shatner premium. And you tell Bill... Bill, for the next three years, we're going to give you $50 million. We want you to reprise your role. Now, it's not going to be from the first... You you might be an old retired starship cruiser from a mirror universe. Can you see him sitting on an old cruiser? And all of a sudden, boom, Edith, what did you do? Because we had to kill him, and it's 
evil Edith Keeler. <laughs> Joe Collins is still around. And Shat would Shatner do it? Yes, he would do it. It's all about money. It's no, this is no. And I'll tell you why I know he would do it. Last year, 2022, uh, what does New Orleans have? They have a different Comic-Con every oh, year. It's God fan only Expo knows, now. It's fan fan Expo. Expo. All right. There's Shatner over in the corner of the tables. And there's about 15 people. And I don't good his autograph anymore because I've gotten it so many times. And he's sitting there with a mask on. Now, you know, let's face it, New Orleans is a backwater, okay, for FanCon. So he's yeah. at New Orleans, a FanCon backwater, signing for $150. You don't think that if they said here's $50 million or $25 million, yeah. and we're to put the rest of the $200 million that we're getting toward production. You can do voiceover. You can be a back to captain, yeah, and put all that stuff in your contract that he always had. I got to say the most words. I got to be on camera the most, whatever. Who cares? Give him what he wants. Yeah. I would pay $200 more a year, and I guarantee there's a, there's a million other fans who would do it. I, I, I would, I would pay for him it. to just tell stories. I, like, I, like the, John's first experience with Shatner at a convention, we had told him about how, like, you, you go to watch him talk and, like, he just goes on. He he had what two questions that he? That's... It was two questions. Somebody would ask a question and he would just ramble on for. And it was yeah. so interesting. Everything yeah. he'd ramble on for thirty minutes and then he'd be like, "Did that answer your question? Are you satisfied?" And I'd be like, um, <laughs> "Not really. But that was awesome, I guess." And that's really it. You but know, was... I, I, I used to come down a little bit on the George Takei side, but then the more you hear Shatner talk, well, Shatner's right. George Takei was a minor character. Yeah. Because he even says, I didn't see George that much. He was barely there. And it's true. Yeah. Well, and, um, and I'll, I'll drop a, another podcast on here. I've been listening to this one called Enterprise Incidents. And I did not know about George Takei taking the time off to go film the Green Berets. Right. So, I mean, he he asked for all this time off. And when he was away, like, they had to give someone else the line. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, they actually had a, 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 something written, an episode written for him, and he couldn't do it. Yeah. And I saw I saw George again on Black Sheep Squadron the other day. Uh. He was they had captured uh, who's the guy on Black Street Sheep Squadron? The guy who used to be on the Wild Wild West, Robert uh. Conrad. Uh. He was had him and he was giving a big speech. I'll you know try to break out of this camp. We're gonna kill you. I'm sure they broke out the camp anyway. But you know, <laughs> but it was George Takei. So the more I listen, I've come over from from George Takei's side. To the Shatner side. Yeah. And they said, well, somebody asked him, well, would you think you'd ever make up? He says, why should I make up with a guy who goes around bumper hopping me all the time? Yeah. You know? yeah. That's what he said when we, when we saw him. He's like, he, he hates me. Guy, <laughs> hates <laughs> me. Nothing I can do about yeah. it. <laughs> but as for your idea for bringing Shatner back as Kirk, the one thing that Hollywood loves to do is steal things that are successful. And if the Spider-Man movie taught us anything... These crossovers, like, imagine if there was some movie that somehow got Paul Wesley, uh, Chris Pine, and William Shatner together. That People would, look, that would go a, crazy. That would be a beautiful day. CBS is making a big, big mistake not to try to get him these last couple of years to do voiceovers. His own, give him what he That's wants. a very good point. I mean, if you're going to take advantage, like, don't run into the situation, like, you know, where, you know, Mark Hamill's gotten so old he can't really do... They have to do all, spend all this money with visual effects. Kirk can still do stuff. Well, Kate Mulgrew, she does the voice of Janeway for the Prodigy show, and it's a that would be interesting doing another animated show with Shaq. It, it would be really cool. I mean, you could potentially do the do another like like a, a Kirk spinoff 
He's in his 90s, and last year at the convention, he walked back and forth on the stage. You would never know he was in his 90s. You really wouldn't. And if you could do that, if you can talk and walk back and forth, I mean, you can do it. He could probably still do his little T.J. Hooker role. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And I think he would do it. It's about money. He's going to be 92 in a few weeks. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember the the year the first year he was at the the Wizard World thing, uh, he was there and Stan Lee was there and we were like they were both roughly the same age or close, and Stan Lee looked so much older than Shatner did. I was like, I, we were kind of shocked. Yeah. Poor Stan Lee. Yeah. He's yeah. been gone two years now, three, two. Longer. Yeah. yeah. A few. I'm yeah. Glad, yeah. I'm glad we we met him when we did. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was a sweet man. It's a shame what the you know came out with. Was happening to him in his yeah. later years, but uh, but yeah, I'm with you. Bring Shatner back, definitely. So, real quick question, because I don't think I ever asked you this before. Favorite ship? Oh, I, I'd say or the, ship class. I'd say the original Enterprise. It would have to be. Okay. What's yours, Greg? Um, don't say class. the class. What's that? A 1701. Yeah, the A, B, C, or D. For those of us who aren't like militant trekkies, okay, you've seen the ship before. The Akira class is, uh, it was in first contact. It's the one that has the catamaran on the, the back of it that shot all the torpedoes. I'll show you the design after. But they use that design and they base the, the Enterprise, the NX one for the Enterprise show with Scott Bakula on that design because everybody liked it so much. But it's this, this, this sleek cruiser. The entire like middle deck is a hangar for fighters. And it's just this this badass, cool-looking design ship. You think sometimes Star Trek shows miss the boat? Like, everything you just said about that ship sounds really interesting. But, like, they don't tend to go into that much detail on the show about ships like that. They they do over time. I do remember. Glenn showed me a picture. I do remember that ship so in the movie. They call them hero ships. They But basically, uh, they, they do on the series. Like, you knew a lot about the Enterprise-D spending that many seasons. No, but remember, it. like, one of my favorite parts of First Contact was just... Maybe twenty seconds of dialogue of Picard explaining some details about the ship to that. To <laughs> and we got a Kelsey Grammer uh, yeah. voice cameo. But like, I feel like that type of information about the the you know the Star Trek universe and stuff like that's that's cool stuff to know. Well, I I mean one of the complaints about Picard season one was the the copy paste ship at the end. Oh, the yeah the fleet the, all the same. Yeah, fleet, like yeah. Riker was on the. Yeah, that was the, terrible. Like, yeah, well, like the whole part, the whole end of that show was I mean, it, it's plausible in the sense that, like, we know that Star Trek, uh, Starfleet was decimated with the attack on Utopia Planitia, but at the same, so they just put a bunch of ships into production. And you know what? That's thing. fine. That is what, A simple it, throwaway line would... That, would that's, yeah, yeah that, to your point, yeah, that's the that's the thing. But yeah, like, I, I like the, the in this Picard season two, they debut the, the new Stargazer. Yeah, that looked... Oh, yeah, that, I saw that. I started the first episode and I saw that, so... I'm surprised they didn't call it like the Stargazer B or something. Which is, is that not on there? No, I think it just says Stargazer. It, just said Stargazer. it might have a different a, serial a, number. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember what the Stargazer serial number was. So I mean, I don't. That know. was kind of a, a thing too. Like in, uh... it's in the Fleet Museum. So, and we know that we're getting the Fleet Museum in season three of Picard. So maybe we see the Stargazer again. Well, I, I know in the the Defiant when it got replaced, the Sao Paulo got renamed. They didn't say the Defiant A, but apparently that was because they didn't have time to change the computer model. Yeah, yeah. And plus, they were in the middle of a war. Yeah, you know, shit happens. 
I don't know, design ships that I like. I actually like the kind of stranger design. Like, I really liked the old um, Romulan Warbirds. I thought that was just a cool design. Oh, the Dideridax ones? Yeah. The, like, with the big like hole in the center? Yeah. Just because it was just like a, a contrast to the Starfleet ships. I thought it was cool. Uh, Do you have a favorite one? As a kid, I really loved the Bird of Prey. <laughs> Like that, that, that Klingon ship. I mean, I know it was tiny little scout ship, but it just looked so cool. And they, even though it was small, every time they used them in the movies, like they always caused such problems. <laughs> oh, they were the backbone yeah. of the, the Klingon defense force. And they had that cool theme song whenever the Klingons. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I like uh, one of my favorite Star Trek in the next generation was the uh, the redemption storyline with the Klingon yeah. civil war. And I thought like all those, sh- those battles with the Klingon ships was really cool. I love that's one of the things that Star Wars and Star Trek does really well is it makes the universe feel lived in. Yes. And that's what I feel like to your point. Like there's this – the fact that I can love a design, a little silhouette that flies by on, on the screen for a little bit and love a ship so much. I mean the, the Akira is in my, my office on the on the shelf in there. So uh, I have that one. I have the Luna class and I have the Defiant class. Nice. All on my shelves. R.I.P. Um, Eagle Moss. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Sadness. So now what? What now else? What? We, what are we gonna do? Well, I mean, again, uh, I, I think uh, we should get you know, since Bruce is a guest in, in our home here, he gets to uh, name a Star Trek awesome villager. Oh wait, oh, wait, wait, wait! Didn't don't you have like something, some other? Uh... I got a quiz for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I then, forgot about and this. Then, and then he gets to name. Well, before we get to that, let me. Yeah, I just yeah, want to hype the Star Trek convention. Oh yeah, this tell, year. Tell us about the Star Trek. All right, last year. The Rio, which is where they usually have it, which is a really nice place. It's really when I say it's it's not a nice place. It's actually a rundown hotel on the other side of the interstate, but it's big. Okay, yeah. that kind of adds to the charm sometimes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it was pretty bad. But so anyway, they were renovating it this year, so they had it in uh, Bally's, which is now the Horseshoe. Uh, anyway, it was way too crowded. Way too crowded. You had to, the stage two. You had to go up. Uh, like 20 flights. It just was very, it's just too small. Yeah. But they squeezed it in. And the funny part is CBS canceled their convention this year, the Seattle convention. So it's kind of weird that CBS that owns Star Trek is not having Star Trek convention. That is weird. Because I was going to go to Seattle. I didn't want to fly all the way out to Seattle, but I was going to do it. Because I went to the Chicago one last year, and it was pretty good at the CBS. I mean, like I said, it was pretty good. It made, in the McCormick Center, and it was it was nice, and the one this year in Las Vegas that's not put on by CBS Creation Entertainment, uh, it was just too crowded in, in Bally's, but we got by and it was good. And everybody was there. I got to talk to Garrett again, who I really like. Garrett, he's my favorite, one of my favorite uh, non-main players. I mean, I just thought he had great lines, yeah. and he carried them off all the time. You know. My, the famous line is when Odo says says to him, you mean you would shoot a person in the back? And he says, that's the safest way, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and if you think about it, the biggest trope in the world is you got to kill somebody, you got to face them. Who would do that? If they're right. bad, yeah. you would kill them, right? Yeah. If they deserved it, you know? So uh, anyway, it's going back to the Rio this year. And I can't wait. I usually go for the whole week. And they've so. been hyping up a cruise. I've been seeing ads. Yeah, and, and I'm so like, oh, do I go on the cruise or do I don't go on the cruise? And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm going to go on one of those cruises. Uh-huh. It's got to be a good deal because they get a lot of good guests on there. And my guess is if you live in L.A. and it 
goes out of L.A. and it, hey, you come here, you got a free cruise. Why wouldn't yeah. you go? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll protect you from the crazy fans. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them probably like it. Yeah. You know. I mean, they probably enjoy it. Yeah. You know. So, anyway, and I do have a if y'all want to do it, bring it on. Yeah. A quiz. Are y'all up for it? Yes. Yeah, let's see what we can do. Uh, all right. When I listened to the last one, y'all kept asking, how many points is this one? So I'm going to tell you, each question is worth 10 points. Okay. okay. Just standard 100-point quiz with a bonus, okay? Okay. All right. So. All right. The first two questions at 10 points apiece, I call this two tall ladies. The first tall lady at 5 foot 11 and a half inches or 6 foot, depending on what source you use. This lady, this lady played opposite Patrick Stewart an episode of the next generation called The Perfect Mate. Famke Jensen. She was bred for love. You can give me her real name or her superhero name. Because six years later, she became a superhero. That is Famke Jensen, and she was Jean Grey on the X-Men. Yeah, Dr. Jean Grey. But oh, oh, does everybody oh. agree with that? Yeah, yeah, does yeah. everybody agree with his answer? Yeah. Yes, and she was okay. also a Bond girl. Uh, I yeah, realize, oh. I didn't realize she was that tall. All right. Let's wait to the, the oh, questions over. With. Sorry, Bruce. Because you'll all have to I was agree. excited. Suppose no, they no wouldn't have agreed. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> and, and I was going to give you a clue, and the clue would have been that, uh, that six years later, she once again played against uh, opposite Patrick Stewart. And the X-Men. Right, and the X-Men. So, all right. At five foot 11 inches tall, this tall lady played in the original series episode, Friday's Child. And the episode was about unwanted pregnancy. The one with Frankie Johnson was really about. Uh, uh, it's like arranged marriage. Yeah, no, but what you call it uh, nowadays when people. Oh, trafficking. Human trafficking. That's yeah. what it was about. Because Picard even says, don't, tells Beverly, don't you feel like a little guilty where they bring this woman to marry somebody that, you know, yeah. she doesn't even know. So it was touched on human traffic. But and then, anyway. And then they prime directed that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then at five foot eleven, this woman was pregnant in the original episode Friday's Child. It's about unwanted pregnancy. She did not want the baby. And uh, McCoy spends the whole episode trying to convince her that uh, Well, this was Kirk, right? No, McCoy oh, spends oh, the whole McCoy, episode McCoy. trying thought, to convince thought, her she said, wants the baby. I thought you said Picard, yeah, no, McCoy. No. McCoy. Okay. So Hmm. Within the same year, she took the role for which she is best known as an arch-villainess. You can give me a real name, or you can give me her arch-villainess name. Oh. I figured y'all would get the first one a lot easier than the second one. Um, do, do, do we have a clue? Only if everybody wants the clue. I mean, you don't want to jump uh, the clue. I don't, I don't know yet. Yeah, we do I have a clue, but... I would need the clue. Uh, yeah, I'll take the clue. Okay. I think I have an idea who might be, but I'm not sure. All right. I'll, Your wheels are turning, I can tell. The arch villainess was subsequently played by several other characters. Lee Merriweather, Eartha Kitt, and Michelle Pfeiffer, just three of the many women who have played the arch villainess in is the it, other show that she was it, in. Julie, Julie Newmar? Yes, Julie Newmar, Catwoman. Yeah. Wow. Oh. And, you know, as in it, just to show you how topical Star Trek is, it was about unwanted pregnancy and we've solved that problem right 70 years later huh? <laughs> of course we've got it all solved yeah. we, don't, we don't think about that anymore do we yeah we got it all figured out yeah, we we got got all figured out. yeah. yeah. 
You know, it just shows you how topical they were. Because that was him touching. They couldn't really get into abortion. Right. That was him touching on it yep. yeah. 70 years ago. It just shows you how great the show is, really. You know? All right, so you only get, since you had to use the clue, you only get five, five points. points. Okay, that's a five-point deduction, okay. okay? All right. Where does a good Ferengi go when he dies, and where does a bad Ferengi go when he dies? Greg, you should know this. It's, this is, I don't think this is that difficult. Y'all all got to agree now. Oh, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, <laughs> the divine treasure. The divine treasure. That's one. Okay. That's their heaven. And the oh, it's something to do with being massively poor, and I can't remember <laughs> the actual name for it. Yeah, it's like it's something like the, the poor house or something. Yeah, the the. It's definitely the divine treasure. I remember that. Um, because when Cork sold all of his desiccated, des- <laughs> what do they call it? His, his desiccated remains. remains. Yeah. Um, they were in discs. Oh, crap. I don't know. We we don't know, Bruce. All right. <laughs> well, for a five-point deduction, five deduction, I'll tell you what it is. The Vault of Eternal Destitution. Oh, oh, oh okay. yeah, yeah. The okay. Poor House. All right. So you that sounds much better than the Poor House. It does. <laughs> All right. This is a fun one. All right. Star Trek Next Generation times Arrow, the two parts... I know y'all know it because y'all have talked about it many times on the show. <laughs> they do. Right? Mark Twain. <laughs> All right. Well, that's where we're going to get to. Oh. There were two real-life American authors portrayed by, by, mm-hmm. by actors who lived in and around San Francisco around the 1880s. They, they took a little license on it, though. And who were the two real-life authors that they showed in that? You want to say one part? and I'll say the other? Totally do that. All right. Well, I'll... The one at the end that was the twist was Jack London. Yes. Because he was going to Alaska to the Klondike, and he got the advice to go there by... By, by good old Data. And Samuel Clemens. And Samuel Clemens, yeah. The Klondike. <laughs> and y'all are absolutely right. But I'll tell you a quick story about Jack London in his early years was an oyster pirate. Do y'all know what an oyster pirate no, is? No, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's when your sister steals oysters at parties. All right, an oyster pirate... Look, it's like fish, oysters. Doesn't oysters are say, something that naturally come, right? Doesn't he say it in the episode when he's telling Data all the occupations he said? I think he says, he I, was even, I was even an oyster pirate. Right. Oyster, it, what happens, oyster pirates steal off oyster leases, okay? Okay, like a poacher, basically. Right. Okay. And, and the, the Southern Pacific Railroad had the right-of-way, and with the right-of-way, they had all these oyster beds in there. And, of course, the people could not handle that because they basically gave them a monopoly monopoly on the uh, oysters so they would steal oysters they would go at night and steal the oysters and sell them in oakland uh but i represented in the 80s the early 80s or mid 80s i should say oyster pirates here in plaquemines parish they didn't call them oyster pirates they should yeah <laughs> but all right what happens though and this is true look the state owns all the, the water bottoms okay and the same, and then they lease it out. But they, they don't lease it out to just anybody. They lease it out to the same big, rich people every year, get the leases, right? So the people go and steal oysters. And guess what? All the other people, nobody wants to turn them in because they feel like you don't have a right to get the oysters, yeah. you know? So I was representing about 20 of them in Plaquemines Parish. And it struck me is that they were going to have to prove where this lease was. So I subpoenaed from the state uh, the maps 
of the oyster leases. And they brought into court these gigantic and beautiful maps. And they had all these little bayous and stuff. And I spread them out. And all my clients went in and I said, okay, now show me where the lease was. And they look at it and they said, you don't get it. There's no bayous out there. I said, what? I said, go take a picture. So I continued it. They come back uh, in about a month and, and they have a little Polaroid because they don't, you know, sell for, and it's just a big lake. Just a big lake. And that was my introduction to coastal erosion. That's coastal erosion because wow. those bayous existed at one time. And in the mid-80s, they didn't even exist then. So wow. that's how I learned about coastal erosion. And they didn't even call it coastal erosion. They said, look, it's just not there. Yeah, it wanna... ain't there no more. <laughs> yeah. And then 10 years later, when somebody mentioned the word coastal erosion, I said, that's what that was. Yeah. So, anyway, Thank God you. bless the Oyster Pirates. That's, that could be the name of this episode. <laughs> That's what it will be. Or <laughs> either the name of the episode or my fantasy team next year. <laughs> and once again, none of the people in Plaquemines, they're all, you know, they're all favorite to the people because they think it all would be for free. They don't right. think the same Oyster guys ought to get it, the same one. All right. They may have to recuse himself because uh, I ran I'll this step, one. I'll step back. I ran this one in front of him. So I want to see if you three guys can right. get this. Deep Space Nine. Oh, Greg's got it. That's his favorite. Says he Louise Fletcher is Kai Wynn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rest Kai Wynn, uh, Louise Fletcher won an Academy Award in 1975. Oh, yeah. Okay. Her co star in that movie also won the Academy Award for Best Actor. Okay. And that propelled his career to greatness. Who was he? Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Yeah, Nicholson. Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. Y'all are absolutely right. I put that in there because I think it was you, Greg, that said that, uh, what's the Jack Nicholson movie with the, where he goes up in the snow? The Shining? The Shining, oh, yeah, which is yeah. Big Break. Oh. And I told Glenn, I said, uh-uh. Uh-uh. If you don't have Cuckoo's Nest, you don't get shine. Oh, true. Because that showed that he could play a sight. I mean, let's face it. As all as great as, great as Jack Nicholson is, he, he played a psychopath just about every time. Yeah. He's a great psychopath. And that's what he was in Cuckoo's Nest. So I would think that he probably got that because of The Shining. I've actually never seen Cuckoo's Nest. You, you haven't really? No. Great. It's really I've great. heard it's good. Oh. Milos Foreman, right? Danny DeVito is so young in that. He really best is. Best picture... Best actor, best but, actor. And yet somehow looks exactly the same. You're Maybe right. best director, too. I'm not sure. I but. think that might have been one of the movies that won the top five. Like, I know Silence of the Lambs is one, and I want to say they mentioned that one, too. Screenplay, director, actor, actress, director, picture. Okay, ready? This is a multiple choice question. We're going to change it up a little bit, okay? Oh, good. I might have a shot. I'm going to name six people. You're going to tell me which two never appeared in Star Trek. All right. I like this one. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> The actor? He <laughs> was an actor. <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Tom Hanks. Ted Knight. Stephen Hawking. Kirsten Dunst. So two of them have Two not... of them never appeared on Star Trek, which means the other four did. I think I think I, I, I think I know. No. Y'all gotta be y'all gotta, right, right, so gotta be unanimous. It's a it's a consensus thing. Because Dwayne Johnson is I think he has. Yeah, yeah I, I knew that. Yeah, he, he fought. He was an intergalactic wrestler. <laughs> was he's an intergalactic wrestler? Was Kirsten Dunst? Yes, she was. She was. She was Troy's little sister. Uh-huh. All right. So. Oh, wow. Uh, good, good work on that one. I was on the fence with her. 
What about Ted Knight? Ted Knight, I believe, was was in. Tom Hanks, I don't think ever did because Tom Hanks. His son was, wasn't he? He he they wanted him for Zephyr and Cochran as the urban legend, but his agent never even told him because they said he'll never do a Star Trek movie. Um, I think you're it's, right. It's about, Reagan and, and Hanks. Uh, I would say Reagan. And yeah, Hanks. I agree. Does everybody agree with Reagan and Hanks? I agree. Absolutely right. Hey. Tom Hanks, though, is a fan of Star Trek. And he, I read where he, uh, when he's in Bosom Buddies, he used to go hang out on the set. And he said he had a good friend. And after Next Gen, like every episode, him and his friend would call each other and talk about it. I mean, they're really into it. And it just has never worked out. And Ronald Reagan was never on it. Although, right when he got out of office, he visited... Uh, the next gen set, and they said one cool part. He was Roddenberry's walking with a cane, and he dropped this cane, and Ronald Reagan in front of everybody and the Secret Service went to the floor, picked up Gene Roddenberry's cane, and handed it back to him. You yeah. know, so y'all were right. It was it's Reagan and Hanks. Good good job, guys. All right. Okay, it's sixty. So y'all are fifty out of sixty, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the next four questions should be very easy. All right. All They're right. subjective. Okay. Oh. However, you'll all have to agree. Uh, all right. It's like you're on a jury. You should try to persuade one another of you know whether you're right or, uh, or the other guy's right. This will be interesting. But you should not change your vote merely to get anonymity. Okay, unanimity. You put this in here because you know we don't like when when, when, <laughs> one, when one of us is you're set, ready? we don't change our no, minds. No. So yeah, Ryan, don't let these guys push you. Around. <laughs> 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 all right. Here we go. For purpose of these questions, you have just graduated from Starfleet Academy. Okay. It's Saturday morning, and you want to celebrate tonight. So are you going to 10 Forward or Quark's Bar? 10 Forward. Really? Right, so I, let, let, me, let me ask you, 10 Forward, is this on the ship or is well, it Guinan's Gyn- okay. Bar yeah. that oh, you open that flight? Guinan's Gin. Guinan's Bar. In Los yeah. Angeles. No, on the ship. No, 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 on the ship. On the ship. Yeah, I'm going to Quark's. Quark's bar. Quark's bar is on DS9. That's the one. They have like Dom Jot. They have Dabo. uh, All kinds of stuff. And And there's Hollow Suites. There's a mall. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm gonna stick with Ten Forward because some something might happen and we might all of a sudden be on a great adventure. You don't want to get canceled. (laughs) (laughs) But but like you're you're there by the wormhole, right? Yeah. Nothing good comes from living by a wormhole. Well, you just said something fun might happen. Something cool might happen. Oh, you go, however, Ganon does keep some non-synthahol drinks on hand. Quark's is all real stuff. Yeah. To be honest, Including I'm not as beer. familiar with Quark's bar because I didn't see very much of Quark's DS9. Is, is Las Vegas. I know what Quark is, and I've seen some of DS9, just not as much as, as Star Trek. Well, Quark's bar does have gambling, too. I mean, you know. the Dabo, go yeah, they got those, yeah, they got the Dabo girls there. Yeah. On the strength of the Dabble girls alone, Ryan, I really think that you is there is there, is there uh, all right. Here's my only. What's her name? The, uh, this, this is Lita. Lita. This no, what's her real name? Chase Master. Oh yeah. I've met all right. her many times, and she is great. Okay, so here's the only well, way you can convince me. It's just one night she goes up and has a band and just sings. I mean, she, and you see, she had practiced on her band, but she just sings. She likes yeah. the, the attention, and she's great. And you like to give her the attention. <laughs> is there a better chance? To get laid at Quark's Bar. 100%. That's where we're going. 1,000%. Okay. <laughs> Done. Right. The only thing is on, uh, you'd have to pay for the Hollow Suites there. They're free on the Enterprise because there's no money there. Yeah. But, but, you know, if they had, but they're built into the bar. But I'm Quark's. going with Quark's. If they had Hollow Suites, there would be a line of men out the Hollow Suites. You could never get in. Right, yeah. man. <laughs> okay. I, I thought you would take Quark's Bar pretty easy, actually. Right. But uh, 
Well, we look, went there off. Look, ten forward would be like the Sazerac or the New Orleans. That's a very club. good point. Yeah. And Quark's Bar would be like every other place in New Orleans, right? Cats you know? meow. It's the penthouse <laughs> club, right? Yeah. It's not a strip club. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, Quark's Bar. All right. right. So, that's great. Um, so, you make the decision to go to Quark's Bar that night to celebrate, and you get an incoming suspect message from a close friend uh, congratulating you on your graduation, and you invite him to come along. And he says he can't make it, he's got other plans, but he has friends who has friends, and he can hook you up. You can, you can spend the night hanging out at Quark's Bar with James T. Kirk or William Riker. Which one of those two guys you want to hang out oh, with man. at the bar? That is a tough question. All right, so what, 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 what are we talking about? Kirk in his prime and Riker Kirk in his prime and Cry- so Riker they're both they're both young and single. I, I feel like Kirk would hook up really quick in ditches. You're gets a good point. <laughs> and, and, and Riker would bring his his, his trombone and we get yeah. all the jazz girls. Yeah. Riker seems more like he would share. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd have to go with Riker. I think I'd go with Riker. He's a better wingman than yeah, Kirk. I think John's right. Yeah, Kirk would. He'd, he'd, he'd hook up with one of the Orion girls. Sorry, boys. <laughs> You're on your own. Yeah. It's going to be a beautiful night for me. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I'll be making her eggs in the morning. So we're going with Riker? Yeah. I think we're going with Riker. No wrong answer there because they're all going to attract the girls and yeah. you just got to catch the overflow, right? That's right. All right. Good. Good answer. And, and we're all talking about Riker with the beard, right? Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, beardless Riker does not count. <laughs> all right. So you go to Quark's bar and you hang out with Riker. He plays the trombone. You drink blue drinks. You meet green ladies. You play Davo with the beautiful Lita. And you vaguely remember being carried back to your quarters by a Klingon woman. But now it's Sunday morning, and you sit alone in your quarters, and you feel really sick. It could be a hangover. It could be the Andorian flu. It could be your interaction with the Klingon woman. But you have to report for duty the next morning at Starfleet headquarters. So you get on your computer. And you Google Starfleet doctors, and you come up with three with five-star reviews. First doctor, Leonard McCoy. Big hypo, not afraid to use it. Second doctor, Beverly Crusher. Intimately associated with Jean-Luc Picard. Likes to do choreography in her spare time. And the third doctor, Julian Brashears. He's second in his medical school class, genetically enhanced, and he likes to play James Bond in the hollow suites. So, guys, who are you going to call? So, I'm definitely not calling Dr. McCoy. Why? Because he's a terrible doctor. <laughs> so, here's he's my... Dead, Jim. He, he never tries to save anyone. It's okay, like... but this, isn't, this sounds like something that he might have a practical solution Wait, for. So, my point is, I feel like Crusher would be trained... She'd have the on, best bedside manner, I but think. But not for hangovers. Like, would they really train her to how to... I feel like... McCoy would give you like a couple of raw eggs and some tomato juice, and you'd feel better in no but that's time. But get your flop sweat. But we're trying to figure out if it's a hangover or if it's something. Oh, else. that's a good point. That's why I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking Julian. Yeah, Julian, because you know Julian knows hangovers from partying with Chief O'Brien. Ooh, that's a good point. Because <laughs> they are constantly playing darts the, and, and throwing back beers. Yeah. And um, like I said, McCoy's just a terrible doctor. He always, he doesn't even. He's dead, to, Jim. He just, oh, no saving him. <laughs> Damn it, what, man! I tried to save. Why him. don't you do CPR or something? I actually have a T-shirt that shows a body and it says, "He's dead, Jim." Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and, I mean, I, I'm going. I'm going with Doctor Bashir. That's. I think I kind of agree. Yeah. 
All right, Bashir. All right, so we're going with Bashir. All right. I love this choose your own adventure. This is this is great. All right, so you called Bashir. He re, he appears by hologram, of course. He replicates some medicine. You take the medicine. You sleep like a baby. You wake up Monday morning. You feel like you could take on the Gamma Quadrant all by yourself. And you report for duty at Starfleet headquarters. And surprise, surprise, surprise. Thank you, Gomer. Uh, <laughs> due to your wonderful grades and the fact that a lot of red shirts have been dying lately, you have your choice. You can serve under... James T. Kirk, Jean-Luc Picard, Benjamin Sisko, or Catherine Janeway. But let's just cut the pretense, guys. But I'm really asking you, name the best captain. Do not rank them. Name the best captain of those four. The best. So my, you know my vote's going to be Sisko. Yeah, that, that's wrong for many reasons. <laughs> You're wrong for many reasons. <laughs> oh, my... Um. This is the toughest question, obviously. As a kid, I mean, I just was so enamored with Kirk. Because he could just get out of everything. Picard was such a hard-ass to his crew, but he is also a great leader. Benjamin Sisko is the Dwight Eisenhower of the Star Trek universe. He basically bec becomes the strategic command as a captain of an entire, like... Like fleet of ships. Again, I don't. And I, wins the dominion. But, but if I, but if I'm gonna serve on anyone, I don't know if I'm gonna serve right on the front lines right there because well, there's, I, a, but there's a lot of dead people. When you compare the people that yeah. like you know in, in the ships that you would serve on, um, you know, I honestly feel like Cisco protected his people pretty I gotta, well. I gotta go Picard. That was quick. You were on Kirk <laughs> two minutes ago. I'm, I'm, I mean, my head's spinning. You just want to be in the Hilton in space. <laughs> that is really part so, of it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they got they can get whatever they want there. <laughs> I, I think I got to go Picard. Glenn, what are you thinking? I, I, all right, so I already ruled out Janeway because I don't want to get lost. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to. <laughs> she seems like a good leader, and she treated her whole crew I, like all, a family. I, let, let's get out of the way. All of them are good leaders. Yeah. And again, like I think uh, the thing with Janeway is Janeway has a propensity to, like her scientific curiosity leads her into all kinds of right. trouble. Yeah. Um, so do we want Kirk, who's a little more brash, or Picard, who's a little more by the book? But, you know, he'll tell you how many lights you see. Um, Inky octopus eggs. <laughs> if we're narrowing it down to those two, I'm going to go with Picard because, you know, again, Hilton in space. Um, but also, I kind of have a feeling, like, knowing Picard's arc with tapestry and, and you know, kind of where he starts to where he ends up, I think uh, you have a better career path with him than I think you would with, with But Kirk. it's almost like the, his enterprise is so big, it would be harder to get promoted, too. Got to stand out. Yeah, and I crowd. mean, you could be a teal Picard and be one of the lower decks. Yeah, yeah, be one of the lower decks guys. Oh, this was a tough one. Um, I feel like Kirk would be a better chance of getting me killed. It's a red shirt. That's he's a, yeah. I mean, they, he he does take so, on some good good like side question. What division would you would you serve in? Um, I like. I, I want to work with Jordy. Gold, gold uniform? Yeah, gold uniform. Right. I'll stay at tactical. Gold uniform. I want to go with Worf. I like the pilot of the ship. That's red Wesley. uniform. So he's Wesley's uh, <laughs> rainbow uniform. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, yeah, that's the gold. John Crusher. All right, I'll, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll go with Picard. It's, it's close, though. Should we have an accord? 
We have an accord, Picard. Picard. All right, it's Picard. I'm I'm shocked. I thought that would be uh, that would be the one question I get. It's close. It's yeah. I, again, but we. I we guarantee you, Greg. Day. Really wants to stay with Cisco. Oh, he's, Cisco. Yeah, he's yeah. You had to give in Kirk because that's what you said. You gave in Cisco. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're probably right. Be tough on a jury. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the um, the petition to build a big statue of Cisco in the middle of downtown New Orleans? They should. They put him on top Cisco of Cisco Circle. Yeah. 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 Why would they put a statue of because, Cisco? Because he's from New Orleans. From New Orleans. Oh, his character yeah. is. His character is. Oh, I didn't know his that. His dad has a restaurant in New Orleans. Well, right? yeah, and I, didn't, fact, I didn't know that. In, in, lower, in, <laughs> in, in, in lower decks, they go to Cisco's all the time. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, when you go to these conventions, they'll have best captain panels from time to time, and it usually ends up with when you started watching Star Trek. Right. Yeah. Like I would always go with Kirk, but what I think is important is that you have a good reason. And this is my reason for Kirk. Is that if you get in a fight with Kirk, he beats you. If you get in a contest of wits, he outthinks you. All of his ex-girlfriends <laughs> still love him. The That's villain's true. girlfriend loves him. And your girlfriend loves him. That's a good point. Okay. <laughs> so he never he's lost a, a hero. Fight. He's like a James yeah. Bond hero, right? Yeah. yeah. He can have any woman he wants. He can beat anybody he tries yeah. to be. And, and he's smart. He's somewhat of a nerd. He actually thinks of yeah. stuff. You know, you know what's funny? In Generations, Picard literally can't win a fight and goes and gets Kirk to come and beat this guy up for him because <laughs> he can't win a fight. So it, it's what Bruce just mentioned. There's an episode of Strange New Worlds that deals with, uh, you know, kind of an, an, an alternate possibility. But Kirk's in it. And it showcases a lot of the more cerebral elements of Kirk. Did you ever see the original episode? Because it's a, it's kind of a, um, it's an original ep- a series episode um, of when they first introduced the Romulans, but it's the strange new. Oh, world Balance of Terror. Yeah, yes, Balance of Terror from a different angle, kind of. Thing. So y'all were ninety out of a hundred. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Did you like a ten point bonus? Yeah, yes. A hundred out of a hundred. Yes. Yes. All right, Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We've had different questions tonight. This is a reasoning question. You will not know the answer. You must reason it out. You can, just like when Kirk fought the Gorn at Vasquez Rocks, you know, the, the Metron said there'll be weapons. Well, there weren't phasers under rocks. There were the tools to make the weapons. And Spock, even watching on the view screen, screen says, he's reasoned it out, doctor. He's reasoned it out. So you must reason out this question. It's not a Star Trek question. It's a non-Star Trek question. It okay. is a pop culture question. All right. Between 1937 and 1939, there were a series of movies called the Torchy Blaine movies. Torchy Blaine was a was a New York okay. City reporter, female reporter, obviously, and she was married to a, a New York police captain. And she was very competitive. She always tried to get the story first. She was always ahead uh, of her competitors. Well, around that time, a certain gentleman and his friend decided to start a comic strip slash comic book. And he liked Torchy Blaine. Torchy Blaine was, in seven of the nine movies, was played by a lady named uh, Glenda Farrell, actually. And she was very good. 143 credits, if you ever look her up. So he took the Torchy Blaine character and put her in his comic strip slash comic book. And didn't take long for her to become the probably the best known female character in all of comics. And we've all none of y'all probably ever heard of Torchy Blaine no. until this moment. Right. All of y'all know this woman. Who is she? I'm gonna say Lois Lane. 
I don't know if that because the, the that sounds about right. The timing sounds about right. Uh, the the attitude sounds about right. That's that's my guess because yeah. I'm I'm just thinking of the time period and the way he described Torchy. Sounds a lot like it does. Lois. I mean, so, uh, yeah. I, and I mean, the way she's married to the police captain, it's like he's not a police captain, but he's the the hero kind of thing. You know, the like the police captain in a lot of things. The 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 police right. are the heroes. The hero. Right. She's married to not just a police captain. She's married to Superman. And, and, and the captain. And Siegel yeah. and Schuster very much would have. Yeah, it it seemed it. I, I think you're right, Glenn. I think. I don't know. I. <laughs> The only other thing I'm thinking of animated was like like a Betty Boop type character. <laughs> with a dish. But uh, Not I th- the same type of character. No, I think I'm gonna stick with you guys, I guess. <clears throat> Mr. Siegel's wife's name was Lois. Nice. The character who played in the seventh Torture Blade movie was named Lola Lane. And yes, Lois Lane. And uh the only thing is it was different that you change up is Torchy was a blonde, but Lois has always got dark hair, and that's because his wife had dark hair. So that's where Lois Lane... So anytime you see Lois Lane, you're really looking at Torchy Blaine. That's awesome. That's and, cool. And it did you, rhymes, did you know too. About that? I did not know and about that. the biggest Superman fan on, uh, on the list. You learned something about Superman. I really today. did. That's, you learned oh, something man. about Superman. I love it. It moved, didn't it, Craig? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Good. A little bit. I'm a big... Listen, that's where I started with comic books, right? Uh, Superman. I was actually... Enjoyed Superman like way more than Batman, and then I went to Flash and Green Lantern. Uh, but Superman was—I read every Superman comic book I could get my hands on, really. So, did you see the trailer for the new Flash movie coming out? No, oh, looks pretty good. Michael Keaton's yeah. back as Batman. Oh, good. Yeah, I actually—he's been trash, but I thought I liked it. Oh, he was kind of—you you don't trash Michael Keaton on the Awesome Village. <laughs> no, I, don't I thought he was good, and I, I liked, liked that movie a lot. Yeah. Okay, and. I think it brought out that, look, if you're super wealthy and you're changing the clothes, you're doing all this crazy, you're a little off. Mm-hmm. You're a little off even when you don't have the costume on. You're a little, and they showed you it was a little strange in some ways, okay? Yeah. You are a little strange. Your parents got killed, you you know? So, anyway, I like the first uh, the Batman movie. And that's it, guys. I don't have anything else. Sweet. All right, sweet. So, so we got 100... Hundred points. Hundred points. Yeah, yeah. I nailed it. Right. <laughs> Our grade point average will, will increase. <laughs> it must have been too easy. What can I say? <laughs> no, y'all did a great job, guys. Thank you for inviting me. Always. I, I don't have anybody else in my life that's nerdy enough to sit around and talk about this. Well, stuff. it doesn't get any more nerdy like, than us for nobody, you know. And uh, so. It's fun to talk about movies and yeah. All right, so you're the guest. So we, whenever we have a guest, yeah. you get an honorary. You can pick an awesome villager. So you pick somebody from Superman, Star Wars, Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever you want. Whoever you want. If you, yeah. I'm gonna go with Kate Mulgrew, and I'm gonna tell you why I'm gonna go with her. Number one, I think she was a good captain. I've watched them all now, and she's very nice. When I went to the Chicago convention, uh, she was there, and I was like, yeah, I wasn't gonna. But then I went. And I found a kids book. They had a children's book. One of the dealers, and it had Janeway in it, and sell some other captain. So I took that book, and I, my granddaughter's a year old. So I took it, and uh, I said, "Look, this is for my granddaughter, who's one years old. It's a little baby book." And she took it, and she put, um, uh, "You've only just begun, you know." A penny, dear penny, 
it's only just begun, and she signed Kate Mulgrew, and she handed it to me, she says, you're a great grandfather. <laughs> but she's very nice, you know, and she did a great job as an actress. She's a great actress. She is. Because yeah. my daughter really has never seen her as a Star Trek captain. She's yeah, she's been in other stuff. Orange is the New Black. Right. And loved her and went mm -hmm. up to her when we did see her in Las Vegas. Oh, I love you in Orange is the New Black. You know, never has seen not one episode. I know? think she was in Throw Mama from the Train. <laughs> was she? What really? I think so. I haven't seen it in decades. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's who I'm nominating. Good All stuff. Right. Kate Mulgrew. Kate right. Mulgrew. Well, yeah, and uh, thank you for for joining us. Well, thanks yeah. for inviting me, guys. And uh, anytime. That will bid you all adieu. Good night. I'll see y'all later. Thank right. you. Thank, thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks thank for hosting, Absolutely, yeah, buddy. Appreciate okay. it. Thank you. All right. All right. Take it easy, so, Bruce. Which one of you two uh, was? Um, Talking about Jack Nicholson. Who said Jack Nicholson? I don't remember, honestly. It was Ryan's voice comes across much more distinctive. And I know Glenn, because yeah. I see a lot more. You're Ryan damn right. Comes across very distinctive. I don't know. But sometimes uh, I'm not sure which one. It could very well have been me, but, but I don't know. One of you said, oh, The Shining was his big breakout role. I don't, I don't think I said, I said that. I wouldn't have been that stupid. You probably didn't use those exact words, but that was the... It was probably know, Greg. Was intimated. I was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> but I'm just a lot older than you guys. So, you know. All right. Okay, so... All right, all right. Thank you. Well, You're thank welcome. You. Thank you, Bruce. See you later. All right. And with that, we're going to bid you adieu. This has been Greg. John. Ryan. Glenn. We'll see you next week.